your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 285 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller out in Collingwood. And the Ottawa Senators have played a game, technically, but the effort wasn't really there. They fall 4-1, the final score to the Montreal Canadiens. The season record now at 12-21-4. Today's episode brought to you by The Locker Room. Download the app today and join Pillsy and I in the locker room on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We've also got another programming note we'll tell you right off the bat. Send Central Citizens is now a Friday segment. So we've got Tim Whalen joining us later in today's show. Really exciting for that. So now the Locked On Senators podcast will be Monday through Friday with the occasional weekend. But typically now we'll leave Saturday and Sunday open for our locker room. You can follow us on Twitter at Send Central for up-to-the-minute stats, opinions, and analysis, and, well, signing news as well. And that's what happened yesterday evening. We had the JBD signing in the morning. We covered that on yesterday's show. But later on, the simmer bomb around 5 p.m. that Shane Pinto was leaving school for his entry-level contract. Is it an ATO or a contract? Well, let's let Pillsy answer the question of that and where he'll report a ton more to get into about how he fits in plus yeah we still have to recap that 4-1 defeat to montreal all that and more this is the locked on senators podcast your team every day today is friday april 2nd and pilsy coming across the wire right now Craig Button, a friend of the show, has just released his affiliated prospect rankings. We'll save that breakdown for later on in the show. Get mad at lists like we typically do. But Shane Pinto, spoiler alert, is on that list. And now he's officially an Ottawa Senator. You gotta love it. Our two guys that we thought for sure were going to be no longer hashtag Nodak sends, but just hashtag sends, JBD and Pinto, both with entry-level contracts. Get that tryout, amateur tryout stuff out of here. They're going to the big leagues, heading all the way up to Ottawa. Once they're finished with their seven-day quarantine, then, hey, they got some good games lined up for when they're ready to go. But I assume DJ Smith will get them a couple extra practices, and maybe we won't see them right away, but reinforcements are coming and they're well needed after that garbage game last night oh it was awful we'll save the breakdown because Shane Pinto is the most exciting news to come out of the last 24 hours his contract cannot slide so the three-year entry level starts right now so he got his signing bonus his cap hit is going to be 925 and this is to me how you know he had the leverage in the situation where I think he would have been okay going back to Nodak he got 600k in his a performance bonuses which is something that is negotiated through a rookie contract so he gets paid as much as you can really as a prospect coming into an entry-level contract but the most important note is that he will be arriving 
in Ottawa. I'm assuming with JBD. We know JBD is in a car right now heading to Minneapolis where he'll get on a plane and begin serving his quarantine once he arrives in Ottawa. Should Pinto be on that same trajectory, where do you see him fitting in the lineup come April 10th, 11th, whenever they do finally step onto the ice wearing that Sens uniform? Oh, I can't wait for that, Ross. As far as for Pinto, I see him to start his NHL career as as your third line center. I think that's a really nice spot for him. I'd like to get him with Connor Brown. I think Connor Brown's a good guy to insulate the young guys because he's going to play well uh, defensively. And hey, he could score goals. He scored the only goal for the Sens last night. So he's not a complete you know, just slow it down pace kind of guy. He, he's got a mix of both. He's a two-way forward. And then on his other side, I'd like to see Ryan Dezingle. Get a guy who can play with some pace and play with some pure offensive skills. Shane Pinto wins the faceoff, gets it back to the defenseman. They get it to Zinger, and he does what he does. Top shelf. Let's go. That's the line I can see really working now. I know that means you got to move Nick Paul down the lineup, and that is unfortunate. But I really think Ryan Dezingle deserves a chance to be on the third line here, especially with the trade deadline coming up, I think uh, he's a guy that either you try to showcase or see what you got. So I think those would be two ideal line mates for Shane Pinto, especially when he's snapping back those face-offs. Well, if you're mentioning the trade deadline, that's going to be a tight switch because the trade deadline's April 12th, sneaking up rapidly as it's only 10 days away. So you're looking really, I, I mean, I said start, so I'm not. you're not wrong with your answer. But if he gets in the lineup on April 10th against Toronto, that might be the only game they play before the trade deadline. So I'm going to leave Dezingle out of this because to me, until he signs a contract or we at least get past the trade deadline, to me, my thought process is as these teams, and there's still a couple that are battling for a playoff spot or battling for positioning, especially the ones who know they're in, they're going to be buyers. And if you hold on, Ryan Dezingle could be a, a valuable asset to one of those teams. And at the left wing position, I know Dezingle has been playing the right side a little bit more this year than in previous seasons. I, I don't really want him to, to be around that, that upper echelon part of the lineup. So I leave Nick Paul there. I like what you think with Connor Brown and just having two defensively responsible players on his wings. Here's where I'm accelerating Pinto a little bit. What's the main problem with the Sens power play right now? And there's a few, but what's one that stands out to you? Well, they typically lose that first face-off. I think that's a major problem. And then once you lose that face-off, it's cleared out. There's 30, there's 30 seconds, a quarter of your power play already negated. So that's a big issue where I'm assuming our boy Shane the Bean Pinto can come in and help. Exactly. Now, we, know, we expect, we shouldn't say we know, but we expect the face-off percentage to regress from the historically good 62% in college. But yeah, the main problems on the Sens power play is not only losing that initial face-off but having a tough time breaking into the zone initially so you save yourself having to do that second thing if you can just win the face-off and that's where Pinto could come in he's got nasty set of hands we always talk about how great his deflections are so play him as the high slot guy and just let him cook there he's got a he's got a great one-timer as well so I think that he can contribute on special teams right away just like I think JVD can be on the penalty kill right away I wouldn't put him on the power play right uh, off the bat but you want to get these players playing in different situations especially this year where the pressure is minimal comparatively so Shane Pinto is an Ottawa senator that is amazing news in itself do you expect him to play every single game once he gets into the lineup or is this case as with JBD you can answer for both where they're going to be in and out 
maybe doing as much teaching off the ice and seeing the game from the press box as on the ice, or is it right into the fire? Let's see what you guys have. I would love to confidently answer that they're going to be in every game that they can get, but with DJ Smith, we know that that's not necessarily the case, right? Like, look at Branstrom. He's up there, not playing. Coburn and Josh Brown are on that bottom pair instead, which is Bit of a head scratcher for me, but that's that's a minor issue. So with uh, in regards to JBD and Pinto, I think JBD you're going to see mix in and out of the lineup, uh, maybe a little more. Pinto, I think his ability to win draws, we'll see how it is at the NHL level. I know it's a big difference from college to NHL, but if he can do his one thing really well, it's going to be hard for DJ Smith to get him out of the lineup. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys are used, but I just hope we get a good look at them because this is like the core of all the rebuilding prospects is, is kind of arrived. Like other than Sanderson and Thompson, but like the main core is the first now wave. the first wave. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it is here. Like, Let's see what they got. And then when the second wave comes in, it'll just tip them over the top. I think with you got Kachuk, Stutzla, Batherson, Norris, Pinto, JBD, Brandstrom, Shabbat. Like the, the core is there. They just need to work on it and they need experience. So hopefully JBD and Shane Pinto will get a bunch of that for the rest of this season. Well, you mentioned some prospects there and fair enough, but... Brady Kachuk's the same age as half the guys you you mentioned. And yet- yeah, he was drafted with JVD. I think a lot of people forget that, myself included. And uh, Ian Mendez, another shout-out to him, his uh, article in The Athletic today, talked about how Brady kept in touch with JVD the whole time. You know, there wasn't any of that, like, entitlement. Like, yeah, I'm already in the NHL. You're still in college. Like, big brother kind of aspect. Like, it seemed like he was really kind of open and honest with JVD. And that's... That's a great relationship to have. So just yet another example of Brady Kachuk pulling off captain shit. Like, you got to love it. Yeah, another reminder as well that the Senators' top five scorers are all 24 and under. And if you take out Thomas Shabbat, 22 and under. The future is certainly bright, and it is arriving in droves now. The one last decision, and Simmer was reporting this. We haven't seen anything official, but Simmer's been two for two right now with the Nodak Sens. Jake Sanderson will go back to school. So in my opinion, that's check, 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 and, and three wins in my, in my opinion because you look at Nodak's defense, Matt Kierstad moving on to the NHL, that left side is officially Jake Sanderson's to run. And then Tyler Clevin moves up from his bottom pair role, and now he's a top four defenseman. Like uh, Brad Schlossman told us on this show, you can see some power play time next year. So your quick thoughts here before we move over to the Senators game against Montreal about Jake Sanderson deciding to go back to school. I, I say him because Tyler Clevin, we knew was going to go back. Jake Sanderson, by all accounts, was given an opportunity to sign, but chose not to. I love it. That's, that's the right move. Like, I know I'm the boring guy preaching patience and uh, everybody wants all the exciting prospects up right away, but you got to remember how young this guy is. Like, only 22 games of college played. Like, that is, he's fresh. Well, you just mentioned like eight guys who fans can be watching at the NHL level. You don't have to see them all at once, I think, is your point. Exactly. And, like you mentioned that uh, that left side of the decor for UND is Jake Sanderson's for the taking. How about the whole team is Jake Sanderson's for the taking, right? Like now that all these guys have graduated, I'm not sure what the next kind of crew of uh, prospects heading into UND is going to be like, but 
Jake Sanderson's the top dog now, right? So he's going to get an opportunity not only to on the ice play a big role, but off the ice, a leadership role. He was a big part of the World Juniors for Team USA. He's going to get another chance to do that again. And how about, yeah, exactly. Captain opportunities there as well. And how about Kale McCarr going back for a second year? wins the Hobie Baker and then comes back and has an absolutely amazing rookie season. I can see a formula where that kind of scenario plays itself out for Jake Sanderson as well. So why not let that happen rather than him middling in and out of an NHL lineup in a waste of a season? Kale McCarr is the easy comparable, right? They both played for the Calgary uh, under 15 teams growing up. They were fourth and then fifth overall pick respectively. However, this, this situation has worked for many other defensemen. Sens fans will remember in the 2017 playoffs, Charlie McAvoy stepped into that Bruins lineup, and he was NHL playoff ready after his second season at Boston University. And that's another guy who went back and was a first-round pick and had his sophomore year. So I'm just so excited that the Sens fans will continue to follow Nodak. We get to have Alex Heinert back on the show, our buddy Jake Brandt as well. So the Nodak Sens are alive and well. And when we start doing our NHL draft research, I don't think there's one in the top five per se, but you know we're going to be circling whoever is committed to North Dakota as Pierre Dorian loves that pipeline. If I'm Pierre Dorian, I would be betting that this Ottawa team is going to be pretty tough to beat in the next couple of years. I can't bet on that far into the future, but if you're looking for a quick wager, why not go check out our friends at Bet Online? Bet Online is the online sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and they have been now for the better part of a few months, and it's been an amazing relationship that will continue to grow. There's only one place that has you covered, the one place that we trust, and this is the best time of year for sports. I know the NHL and NBA, they're pushed back a little bit, so April and May is going to be insane. That's why you need to set up right now at betonline.ag and claim your bonus because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast. Like, think about it coming up. Like, this weekend, you got the Final Four. Yeah, that's cool. But baseball is underway. Betting on baseball might be the easiest sport. Just look at which pitcher's going and then bet the seven-inning line. It's so easy, right? Well, maybe. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs coming up in the next few weeks. Because you're a listener to the Locked On Senators podcast, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So here's how it works. Go to betonline.ag, and when you're at the initial deposit screen, put in the promo code Locked On, and automatically, boom, 50% welcome bonus in your account. So if you put in $200, that is $100 right there for you. Put in $100, and that's 50 math guy right here. So join us at betonline.ag. Pillsy's always tweeting out his parlays. We're always having fun with that. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in to the action and don't forget the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy, the Ottawa Senators played their first game in an entire week, and you could tell. Not right off the bat, the first period, they were out skating and had a few chances. We'll get into those in a moment, but is this just a chalk it up, throw it in the garbage, and try to get the intensity back? Or what would you break down from this game if you're the Sens coaching staff? No, Ross, this is a put it in the shredder, put it in the garbage, take that garbage, bring it to the dump, explode the bin that it goes in the dump, 
spread those ashes all around because you don't want to see a cent of this game ever again. That was like the Senators have lost massive, massive games, blowout games this season. And this, I think, was the worst because usually in those blowouts, you, you can chalk it up to a couple bad bounces, maybe some bad goaltending, but usually the effort was there. DJ Smith said it best in the press conference after this. Like, there just was no desperation, none. And you can look at a couple of the goals. Montreal just outworked the Sens and forced and willed that puck to the net and then buried it. Like, the, the Senators, most of their chances were off, like, on the half wall, just throwing it at net, hoping for the, for the best, and Jake Allen just smothered it. So... Thankfully, we had a shutout jinx to uh, <laughs> to ruin Jake Allen's night. But uh, other than that, I, I thought Philly Philly Gustafson played well. But other than that, this was just a terrible effort. Senators still one of the very few teams to have not been shut out this season. But they tested fate That's going surprising. all the way down to a minute left. So the first goal, too, you make your own luck. And Montreal have been carrying the play. The first goal... The shot off the half wall bounces off Shabbat, bounces off Colin White, right onto Deneau's stick back door. But what kind of pissed me off, I guess, to an extent, is that in the second period, so they switched sides, so Brady Kachuk was standing in the exact same spot that Deneau was, and Jake Allen reaches back and makes an unreal stick save. So would that maybe have gotten the momentum shifted had Brady been able to convert on that chance? That could have been a big deal because then at least you get a little spark of life. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Edmonton that made a great stick play to yeah. uh, stop Brady from scoring there. So that's tough, especially because that's right in Brady's office. Nine times out of ten, he puts those home. Yeah, no doubt. And then you look and Braden Coburn was in the lineup. I don't need to see any more of Braden Coburn, but they put up a graphic and it was Braden Coburn has played 978 NHL games. Do you think there is some sort of thing going here where he's going to get to a thousand i i hope not because think of all the guys on rookie contracts they're going to have to shell out a couple k to get him a nice watch or or a car or whatever <laughs> he's into so i'm thinking sucks. from the fans perspective having to watch him for 23 more games <laughs> yeah that's definitely worse yeah that's basically taking money out of our pockets too so that's uh that's garbage hopefully the sense can uh this, this little showcase impresses everyone maybe the tampa bay lightning pick him back up again for Whoa. another stanley cup run huh yeah, it's just kind of a good luck charm. He only played three games during yeah, Just have him around. Yeah, yeah, great guy to have him around. We need to do better at pumping the guys we want. Have you seen Erica Branson play? No, he's been scratched. <laughs> so maybe he's not going to do on the trade market either. It's going to be a quiet deadline, I think, for the Senators, depending on what they decide to do with Mike Riley and Ryan Dezingle, but and don't, don't forget the arty party. If you're trying to have a good time, what better guy to have on your team for a cup run than a guy who's nicknamed arty party? You got to get that guy on your team for a glue guy. Maybe just send over a sixth or a fifth round pick and get that atmosphere going. The arty party's back. The arty party's back. Matt Murray might be back soon, but Philip Gustafson's doing everything he can to make a name for himself during this opportunity. He is our only send central standout. He made 34 saves, but. They were just peppered. Like the second period, the shots were more than double, 14 to 6 in favor of Montreal. And he stood tall, man. He made great saves. This does not look like the same Philip Gustafson you and I saw time after time in Belleville. Seemed to struggle with confidence and poise. He looked so square to the shooter. His rebound control is awesome. It's been a treat to watch him. I, I have to say, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasant surprise from this season that 
Philly franchise is living up to the name. Absolutely. And hey, he looked damn good oh. with the reverse retro and the red kit. So you already know he's, if you're if you're looking good, you're going to feel good. So that's helping him. And this is the thing. Like, sure, I mean, it's partly our fault giving a, a 20-year-old goalie the nickname Philly franchise the second he's traded to Ottawa. Rolls off the tongue so well. Yeah, it really does. It really does. But, like, this is the thing. Like, people need to just just relax a little. Sure, Philip Gustafson didn't look great in Belleville when he was 21 years old. Like, that's okay. There's so much time for these goalies. Like, like there's so many. Like, look at a guy like Jacob Markstrom. I think that's a great example. He was a touted high prospect in Florida for a long time, was a main package of the, the Luongo deal. And it just took him a while to figure himself out. And then he got it, and then he's on his feet. So, I think people just need to be patient, especially with the goalies. And I, I hope we get to see a little bit more of Philly franchise. I know some of the goalies, Matt Murray, uh, Hogberg, they're starting to come back. But I think you got to play the hot hand, as DJ Smith said. And Philip uh, Gustafson has done nothing to deserve getting pulled out of that crease, as far as I'm concerned. Before we get to our Send Central citizen this week, which is Tim Whale, and he's going to join us momentarily, let's get a quick preview of tomorrow night's game. So, Ottawa, Montreal, again. What does Ottawa need to do differently to get a victory? Because, man, whatever they did last time, it ain't working. This one, we should mention, will be in Montreal. They got to wake up, Ross. I mean, maybe take some notes from Carey Price, who's a backup goalie and still doing smelling salts on the bench to start the period. Like, get fired up. Let's go. That's, like... Again, I'll, I'll reference DJ Smith. There was just no desperation there. And this is a team that you're going to win if you're the Ottawa Senators. You're not going to out-talent teams. You're going to outwork them. And they didn't do that. They didn't even get close to doing that. There was a couple brief glimpses in the first period where they showed some effort. But then after that, it was just all downhill. So that can't happen again. And you know what? Sometimes you take a long break, not uh, due to any fault of their own. It was COVID postponements. So they get a longer break than their usual. They're resting. You haven't played in a while. So you have a stinker your first game back. Well, that, that's a good kick in the ass to get you going for next game, especially when you're up against the same opponent and it's a low travel day. So there's no excuses. The centers have to come out firing. And if, if they don't get the lead off the start, they need to stick with it. Like you can't let that first one nothing goal just drag you down. This ends, I don't want to hear this. It's been a week off excuse, but their game on Saturday is their only game until next Wednesday. So three more days off. And then the Edmonton Oilers. They still don't have a win against Edmonton. 0-7 on the season. But we won't get ahead of Montreal, who they still are tied with in the season series, 3-3. So a rubber match, you could call it, although there are still two more matchups between Montreal and Ottawa later this season. Three. So they're one of the teams that uh, they play 10 times. So that'll be a, a great finale to that. However... Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm just done talking about this game. It, it was kind of a, one of those lackluster performances that you just don't want to see too many of during a regular season. But you can understand how the schedule has been kind of thrown for a loop. But that's happening to all teams, just the way it goes in 2021. Yeah, and I mean, we've been pretty blessed that this is only happening now. Like, it's uh, it's pretty good for the North Division to have kept things under control here. If if we're going to be positive, as we are on the Locked On Senators podcast, if there's one kind of glimmering piece of hope I can, I can give, it's kudos to that second power play unit. DJ Smith was not happy with the first unit. Final power play of the game, he throws the second unit out there first. 
clean face-off win, good puck movement. Sure, Norris fans on the shot, but it ends up working because it bounces off the boards, and Connor Brown doesn't take a second to think. He just roofs it. So good on them, at least uh, ending the shutout, having something positive to build off. And maybe we're going to see more of that, where the second power play unit kind of gets the first crack at things because, like, what are, you, what are you doing with that first power play unit every time when they're just not generating any sort of offense? You look at the score sheet after the game, you're like, oh, Ottawa went one for two on the power play, but that's just... Uh... It's one of those times where the analytics don't tell the whole story. Yeah, they also let a shorthanded goal in, too. So, really, it's a wash on special teams. So, yikes. Yeah, at the start of the period, too, that momentum goal that we always laud. And it's just so important to not allow those situations to unfold, especially to go down 2 nothing early in the second period. So, four different goal scorers for Montreal as well. Ottawa's going to just have to do a better job at all ends. of the. It's not like against Edmonton where you're like, Oh, McDavid had five points. Drysaddle had six. We just got beat by their best players. And Montreal just, they took it to Ottawa last night. That was just a, an old-fashioned ass-kicking. Jake Evans looked like a superstar out there. <laughs> that pass really he made was ridiculous. And how are their four centers, guys, all glued in on Jake Evans on the four-check when he's shorthanded? And then Paul Byron gets the easy tap. And yeah, I'm done with this, Ross. Let's move on. Let's get to our Send Central Citizen, but after that exhausting conversation, we need to power up. So I'm going to grab a Bilt Bar before we head over to chat with Tim. A Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. comes in so many amazing flavors as well. Never getting tired of same old, same old. The bars are all 100% covered in chocolate, but they're all different in terms of flavor, yes. But eight are chocolate nut-free. Eight have nuts, though. They're all great for the health-conscious guy or girls. Built Bars are perfect when you're looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. Pilsy, hit me with your pick of the week. I'm very pleased to announce, if you guys have been following along with our Built Bar ads, don't skip the ads, you're going to miss good stuff. The Built Bar Championship Bracket is complete. Ross, we have a Whoa. crowned championship flavor i'm gonna i, I want to see if you can guess it what what would your top championship flavor be you already know i always go back to the same one when we're talking built bar it is the peanut butter brownie i don't know if that's a wildly respected one though is it no it is it is and peanut butter brownie it had a it had a decent run let's see Ooh, no nah, it was knocked out in the sweetest 16 ross what? so you're a little off there but I will announce the winner. It's coconut brownie chunk is the mm, chunk. I do really like that one. Right? How good is that one? You get the flaky coconut flavors, 100% chocolate covering all built bars, of course. And then who doesn't like brownies? It's literally little bits of brownies on top of the coconut covered in chocolate. Like the fact that this isn't a candy bar and is actually good for you is mind blowing. So if you have not yet tried the championship flavor coconut brownie chunk, get out there today. Ross, tell them how they can do that. They can go to BuiltBar.com and see all the great products available by Built Bar. Remember, there's Built Go, there's Built Crispy. There's all sorts of amazing products at BuiltBar.com. But because you're a listener to the Locked On Senators podcast, you are entitled to the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, here he is this week. Send Central Citizen, it's Tim Whalen. All right, we now welcome our first ever weekday edition 
of Send Central Citizen. It's going to be a Friday staple. And who better to kick it off with than Tim Whalen? You can follow him on Twitter as well. TJ Dubs 83. Tim, what's going on, man? How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks so much uh, for having me, guys. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking some time. We're recording just after the Senators fell 4-1 to one to the Montreal Canadiens, but that's just one game of, of over 1,000 that's been played in Sens history. At what part did you hop on the bandwagon? How long have you been following the team for? Um, So probably I jumped on the wagon at like 2003-ish. So it started, um, I actually grew up as a Leaf fan, and um, probably around... When Jason Spezza got drafted by the Leafs, or sorry, by the Sens second overall, kind of took notice. And then I went to Ottawa for university at Carleton and, you know, just kind of started watching and didn't really like the Leafs because they were just, just couldn't draft anyone. It really just bothered me. And then, you know, the Sens were just pumping out great talent. And then uh, Leafs got knocked out one year and I'm like, I feel nothing. I'm not even angry. I'm not sad. So um, Sens went on that, uh, conference final run it's pretty awesome and then Spezza started taking a bigger role and I was like okay awesome and then Leafs beat the Sens in uh seven I still hated the Leafs so I knew I was a real fan yeah that's how you know when you've officially chosen on the battle of Ontario what side you're on I love it from the heart of enemy territory we uh we've claimed you so that's great so who are some of the guys that when you became a Sens fan were the reason you stayed a Sens fan and didn't go back to the the ugly blue sweaters yeah, like, uh, yeah, like I said, Jason Spezza was great. Um, you know, just awesome skill, uh, creativity. You know, they're like, you know, obviously just the big guys like Stone, Carlson. Um, and then there's always just like some goof on like the runs, like for some reason, like Oleg Saprikin on that 07 run. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I pulled up his stats. I'm like, oh, man, he only had one goal, but I remember it. Although I want to say it was an overtime winner. I just remember the front page of the Ottawa sun saying freaking awesome. Like mm-hmm. Oleg's a freaking awesome. And it was a picture of him celebrating the goal. We got to look that up next time. Pillsy's asking uh, one of his questions. I'll find the, uh, the old Oleg Saprikin mystery goal from that. Oh, seven playoff run. I like that though. He was kind of a plug and play guy and you yeah, never knew you're going to get. Yeah. And it's just like every run's got, they're guys, right? Like the, the stars are never gonna, you know, carry the whole team. Right. And like in the last uh, big run, like Victor Stolberg for some reason, like just like guys who you're just like, man, if this guy scores, like I'm flipping a table and he never scored, but you know, just, just, you know, guys like that, I just kind of round up the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We love guys like that on the show. And Hey, you became a sense fan at a good time, uh, kind of when they started their rise and their real playoff success. So what was one of your most favorite playoff series? I love hearing uh, what people can really go back to nostalgia for which playoff series you have in mind the most. The Boston series where Carlson took over was great. Um, and then the Rangers one was great. Cause I went to game one, I drove up, got one ticket, uh, and just That's sat awesome. there by myself, um, you know, and yeah, just, it was great to see like, they were so dramatic in both of those series. And then it kind of seemed like they were dead in the water after game four against the Rangers. And then, you know, they went in overtime on, you know, who got a fluky goal to tie it up and then Carlson was Carlson. Um, so I would say, actually, I would just say the Rangers just because I actually went to well man game one as well of that series was that would have been a win right yeah they won both at home and then lost to two at msg yeah so that was where 
Carlson kind of, he shot it from, he was probably like close to the goal line, had yes. no speed down there. It just flew, total fluke, but whatever, like a win's a win. And, and it was wild, yeah. With less than four minutes left, I've got it now. And then two power play goals in the second period. That's a, a goalie-friendly show's dream. Uh, Lundqvist making 41 saves. So Ottawa's <laughs> putting the pressure on them. And then obviously that set up game two where they yeah. just seem like just uh, trailing and then Pajot comes back and, and kind of makes his mark on the series. So mm-hmm. that was that, that was a fun one to be at for sure. And I got the Oleg Saprika one. Game one of the conference finals in 07. He's got the game winner. Wasn't in overtime, but he got the game winning goal on that one. Yeah. I feel like that's a good trivia question. Yeah. hundred percent. So you mentioned Jason Spezza, kind of the number one talent that drew you in to the senators. I saw on the broadcast tonight, it was kind of cool through his first season. He played 33 games, which is how many Tim Stutzla has played after tonight. They have the same exact amount of points. Although Spezza, Jacques Martin ask only got to play 12 and a half minutes. Stutzla up at 16. You got to think, what if Spezza stepped in as an 18 year old? He was so like exceptional status in the OHL and all that. Imagine he stepped in and played on line with Hosa or Alfie right away. That would have been wild, but moving into the next generation, Tim, what are your expectations for Stutzla over the next three, four, 10 years? Kind of sky's the limit really. Like, you know, he's been a little cold lately, but you know, almost every game he does something where you're like, okay, like this kid's for real. And I, I wasn't opposed to him going back to Germany just because, you know, just it's a big jump as an 18 year old. And he's not huge. He's not like, you know, super muscular, but um, he's held his own. And I think like legit, like in five years, like he could be contending for an art Ross if all these other guys around him are developing, you know? Um, Yeah. Like it's nice to have like an exceptional talent that everyone around the league is, taking note notice of yeah nothing like when you see nhl just the national hockey league site retweet stutzla highlights and guys that don't get to watch the north division are just drooling over it and when guys like shea weber in their own end they're looking over their shoulders i noticed a few times when stutzla's out there weber was making sure he wasn't giving him too much space yeah like that's the guy you make sure you watch on the ottawa centers that's for sure now tim i gotta ask you if you're dj smith in today's world what are you doing to this lineup to get the most success out of them? I'm talking line changes, different deployments, just minor things that next game they play, they're getting that W because of your expertise. Yeah. Um, for the most part, forwards, like I felt like he'd done a really good job of just kind of tinkering, you know, trimming the fat, so to speak, throughout this season. The D, I would just like to see Brandstrom playing. You know, now that they don't really have to worry about developing the wallet, we'll end it all. It's like, okay, you have one offensive defenseman now, like, let's make this work. You know, and obviously he seems to be a big fan of uh, Bernard Docker, which is great. So it looks like he's going to get a nice time. So I would just say demand Brandstrom and not the, you know, I don't think he's going to, but Brandstrom, get him in there second, second pair and see what he can do. So who would you want Branstrom ideally paired with? Let's assume that Bernard Docker is in the lineup. So Zub, Zaitsev, or JBD? Probably Zub, um, just because I think, you know, he's, he's a pretty good talent. I think Zaitsev, if, if you're doing third-line minutes, like Zaitsev in that role, I think is fine. Um, and then I think Bernard Docker, it'd probably be unfair to have two guys kind of, you know, trying to prove himself on the back end. So I would say Zub. Um, 
just because kind of everyone he's played with has actually been you know solid. Yeah, Zub is the guy that you can put anywhere and it's going to work. I I just like that Riley Zub combo so much. It's hard for me to break it up, but but I can see your point. Definitely, it's tough to get Branstrom and JVD two young guys uh, relying on each other there. So we got to get to the second hashtag Nodak send to sign. We kind of figured it would be JBD and Pinto. So you already covered JBD. Now let's get to Pinto. He's coming to Ottawa. We know that he's got to do his quarantine too. Who would you like to see on his wings? I would like to see, I, I, I don't know if you guys tweeted, I think he did. It was like Connor Brown, I think would be great um, just because he's defensively responsible. And then the left side is super stacked for the Sens. So you really have anyone you could have. Uh, Jimmy, you could have Kachuk, you can have Formington, like anyone, like I, not super particular. Like I try not to get too hung up on these things because they get changed and you're usually just bound to be disappointed. But um, I would say Connor Brown, I think would be a good pitch of he's responsible defensively and then put whoever you think is going to mix with them and I think he seems to be kind of an all-around player that will fit with any kind of style yeah and that's the beauty of it I mean he's he's a guy that's going to win face-offs the Sens did a good job of winning face-offs tonight now let's uh I asked you the DJ Smith question let's move to upper management Pierre Dorian this is going to be such an interesting offseason like they can't expect to have another rebuilding season. Like it's, it's done and over with. They got to push for playoffs next season. What does Pierre Dorian need to do in this off season to have this team ready to, to at least contend for a playoff spot? Yeah. I kind of was looking at kind of this year, next year, the year after. Um, and I sort of don't think they need to do a lot other than sort of stay the course. Like, Depending on who gets picked in the expansion draft, I think they need a third or fourth line center. Um, but like, there's not a whole lot. And they probably need someone on the left side if they don't re-sign Riley, which I, I would have never said, thought this at the beginning of the year. Like, I'm not opposed to them giving him a two-year deal or something like that because you know he can play second or he can play third line. So I would say trust these trust these young guys. Like they've spent so much time developing them. Um, and just bring in a couple guys who can actually play like someone like Ryan Dezingle, but in the center position would be perfect. Cause I think he can move up and down the lineup, not a huge ego. He's fast players can trust working with him. So someone like that in like the center position would be great. We were talking earlier off air about how you believe Tim Stutzla should play eventually at center, but when would you get him playing in the middle of the ice sooner or let him develop at the wing? And maybe that's a transition later on in his career. I would say you might as well start trying it next year. It might not work. And then two years from now, that kind of last season in his entry level deal, you would, I think you kind of know by then if he's going to work or not, whether you know his talent to his vision, I don't see why he wouldn't um, kind of can pretty much do anything right now. So I think you would know by, you know, that last deal last year in his entry level contract. Yeah. I like that as well. I'd move him yesterday but that's just me he's gonna make electric plays no matter what part of the ice he's attacking from i also understand he's gonna still bulk up and that's where you you're gonna do a lot better in the face-offs i know he hasn't taken them consistently by any stretch but still in like the mid 30s percentage wise tim we'll get you out of here on this one what would quantify as a successful end to this season in the final 20 odd games yeah seeing what pinto and jbd can do Make, you know, I'd like to see them or at least Pinto on like the second power play unit. Um, 
and just kind of continuing their record of what they're doing now. If they beat the Leafs and they beat the Habs more times than not, I don't care what else happens. Um, but, you know, if they can be roughly 500. That's more than we can ask for, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's about developing the young guys. Now, for me, final one for me, a bit of a fun question. It's pretty close race right now. Who do you think is going to lead the Ottawa Senators in goals at the end of the season? I think Batherson's probably got another hot streak in him. So I'd say he's playing with Stutzla. He's playing on the first power play unit. I would think Batherson's probably your odds on winner. And to be honest, I, I'm actually not sure where they stack up, but I think he just... I think he's only one behind Brady right now, so it's close. Yeah, yeah, neck and neck. I, then I would go with Batherson for sure. I like that. The last question for our Send Central Citizen, he answers with the name of the first active player that we had on this show. So a nice full circle moment there. Tim, really appreciate you joining us, everyone. You can go follow him on Twitter as well at TJDubs83. We'll put his handle as well. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Really appreciate it. We'll do it again down the road. Thank you so much, guys. Anytime. Stick taps to Tim for joining us. Really appreciate that. Heading into the weekend, let's break down a list. In other words, get mad at one, as we say. Craig Button, a friend of the show, has put out his annual affiliated prospect list. Now, let's start with the Senators, or do you want to start with the top five? What are you most mad about? Let's start with that. Well, I'm not mad per se, but Cole Caulfield at number two, the hype trainer. The, the hype train has left the building with this guy. There's no slowing it down. It's Easter Sunday, and I'm convinced that half of the province of Quebec thinks that him getting out of quarantine is the equivalent of Jesus Christ coming back. So we'll let them have their fun with their 5-5 superstar, and we'll see. But Craig's got him at number two, and I do appreciate what Craig says against Cole. He said at every level he's been counted out, and he's produced at every level. He's like, who am I to – to say that this is the one he won't be. He's not going to be You're just adding fuel to the fire that way. I will be the one who says that. And I'll I'll live and die by this sword. So Cole Caulfield, number two, a little surprising. Uh, Our buddies over at Locked On Red Wings had an interview with the not only the highest jumper, Maurice Sider is number one on this entire list. Now, he jumped from 25th last year all the way up to number one. He's playing in Sweden right now putting up almost a point per game. Really impressive stuff. It's going to be so fun to watch him and Timmy snap it around at the Olympics for Team Germany together. But I digress. Timmy Stutzla, by the way, not eligible for this list, nor is Alexi Lafreniere. Anyone who is officially, or I shouldn't say officially, but made it as an NHLer is Craig Button's stance. So it's not an age thing. It's where are you at now? So I'll give you the top five, then we'll go about the Senators, and then I'll ask for your biggest surprises or omissions Maurice Sider at number one Cole Caulfield number two Lucas Raymond at number three Spencer Knight the goalie at number four and Matthew Boldy at number five so all 19 year olds Caulfield 20 Anton Lundell the top the second best player on this list from the 2020 draft however right after Anton Lundell at number six is the first 18 year old on this list and it happens to be none other then Jake Sanderson. We spoke about Jake earlier in the show. So let's just get you all the Senators prospects. So Eric Brantstrom moved up five spots. He was number 24 on this list last year. He's up to number 19. Then we have the newly signed pair. At number 44, JBD, 
down two spots from last year. And then this is where I went, huh? Shane Pinto coming in at number 61, sandwiched between Ivan Chekovich and Matthias Norlander? Huh? I don't get that. So I'll start with my gripes with that, and you can build off of it. Shane Pinto, sure, put him wherever you want. I don't really care. He's been counted out before his draft, after his draft, and he just keeps getting better and better. But when you have a Hobie Baker finalist-type season, you lead the NCHC in everything. You're also the defensive forward of the year. How do you drop 11 spots? That's what really kind of made me raise an eyebrow. He was ranked 50th on this same list last season. Yeah, that, that is a bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, as far as uh, Pinto is concerned, I was pretty surprised to see him that low. But it's it's tough because I don't know a lot of these prospects, I'll be honest. Or at least I might have heard of them, but like haven't been following along what they're doing in lower-level Finland leagues or something like that, right? So I think definitely I was a little shocked that Pinto was that low. Uh, another one that really shocked me, and again, I haven't seen a lot of game tape on this guy, but the New Jersey Russian draft pick, Shakir Makhmadulin. Yeah, Mukhamadulin. Mukhamadulin, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, a lot of people our, were... Our buddy, our buddy Tony Ferrari's probably rolling his eyes that he's even on this list. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he, I'm pretty sure he was one of the do-not-draft guys in EP. Tony yeah, Ferrari... Yeah, but so was Tyler Clevin, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, okay. Didn't want to rustle, ruffle any feathers there, but yeah. A lot of people didn't think this guy was a first-round pick. New Jersey took him really early. He seemed kind of like a big pylon out there when I saw him play. <laughs> so I'm surprised he's he's up here on that list. But other than that, uh, a lot of these guys I'm not really too familiar with. I think it's surprising that Brandstrom uh, is still kind of in this mix. This will be the last year we consider Brandstrom a prospect, though. Yeah, it has to be. Now, one thing that we'll point out here is – Craig Button, I don't know if he looks at his list from last year when he's making this, but some of these changes are just wild. Rasmus Sandin was sixth. He goes down to 14th. I guess that's not too crazy. Grigory Denisenko went from second to 24th. And Jan Jenik went from seventh to 64th. So the, these, this erratic, the, the movements on this board. We'll say that uh, at the very least. And like, Samuel Fagamo for Los Angeles went from 18th to 74th. So, I mean, just the movement here is absolutely wild. But here's what we'll finish up and send you in the weekend with. He also gave his top five prospects for each Canadian team. Before we give you Craig's, Pilsy, who are your top five Senators prospects? And let's exclude guys like Norris, Batherson, Stutzla, all the guys who have graduated since he had Branstrom in, though, we'll leave Branstrom as an eligible guy in this list. Yeah, well, right off the bat, you got Sanderson and Branstrom, right? Those are your, that's the that's the I think there's a big, I think there's a bigger gap though in between one and two. Definitely, yeah. Sanderson's a clear number one. Then you got Branstrom at number two. I would have Pinto as number three. Then JBD as number four, and then number five. That's the guy I think we we could argue about here and there. Craig Button had Philip Gustafson. I think that's probably a little too uh, too hyperbolic, a little too exciting just after a couple of good NHL games. But he is a highly touted prospect. He's been looking good out there. Best goalie but, at the World Juniors, if I'm yep, not Yep, exactly. Um, I think I would probably, and we talked about this off-air, would probably sneak Ridley Gregg in there instead. Yeah, and perfect that you mentioned that. So you, you did 
give away Craig's list because we mentioned the top four. So he had Philly franchise as the number five prospect. At the start of this year, I would have told you he was the number five goalie prospect. After He was the, basically the fifth string, fourth string at least. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a bit of a stretch. He does have potential, and people might not really remember because he was that first piece of the rebuild that he's still only 21 years old. And as a goalie, you got to preach patience, Pilsy. That's uh, what we know. But you mentioned Ridley Gregg. He scored again. That's at least a goal in four straight games. He continues to dominate, however – Brutal April Fool's joke by the Brandon Wheat Kings saying they were going to wear their Cooperalls, the old school 80s. They even wrote like a full article, had quotes. It was, you know what, a little much. I would have liked to have seen them buzzing around, but Ridley looks good no matter what he's wearing, eh? Yeah, I, I'm more surprised these days if Ridley Gregg doesn't score. Like when Sense Prospect puts out the video, I have to make sure it's from the most recent game. It's not like it just seems like he's just always scoring. So I got to double check that that is the most recent one. So shout out to Ridley Gregg. Hopefully he can keep uh, keep clean and avoid some of those suspensions. Maybe clean some of that up before he graduates here. But he's been looking good over in Brandon, that's for sure. I, and I'm with you. I wish they would have worn those Cooperalls. That's a fun kind of cool look just for a night. Yeah, no doubt. So we love that. Uh, stick taps to Craig, though, for giving us something to talk about as well. We got to have him back on the show once we get back into draft mode uh, for this upcoming 2021 draft where the Senators, like, it's so funny for all the talk that happened in 2021 or 2020 draft with the two picks. Ottawa's going to have another top five pick just like that. So you can bank on that. You can also bank on us being in the locker room on Sunday. So make sure you're following us. Download the locker room app in the iOS store. Follow at Ross Levitan, at Brandon Pillar, and it'll notify you when we go live. It'll be at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. In case you skipped the intro, it's now an official schedule change. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is when you can find the show. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.